the Lord has revealed to the nations saving power. How true are these together not to visit only the great of St. Peter, not to admire the architecture, but to celebrate the canonization of five different people, one of whom is St. John Henry Newman. This canonization means, and the word canonization means, that someone is declared holy, a saint. Officially, that's what it means. So it's sort of, in a sense, a stamp of authenticity in his words, in what he did, in his lifestyle. That's what it means. And for that, he had to go through a trial or an investigation to become a saint where the virtues are proved to be lived out in a heroic manner, not just like anyone else, but heroically. And all, not only that, but miracles had to be done through his intercession and proved to be so. John Henry Newman rank as a saint today for the church, set up in a pedestal for an example to all of us. But what is it in the life of John Henry Newman that could be of any importance to us today? Why is he relevant? What can we learn from his life? How can we relate to his life? He lived in the 19th century, the Victorian environment. We are Oregonians in the 21st century. How can we make the connection? And we could say many good things about his life, his apostolic zeal, his great theology and insight, not only into theology itself, but into the Bible. He read it in a way that hardly anyone had done. He was a great preacher and teacher. He was a great friend of many. He was very loyal to his conscience. He was, had a great... But if I have to choose one trait of his life, that is his passion for and total fidelity to the truth. His conversion story has nothing of, like many other saints, which call our attention, like St. Paul uh, struck down, or other, the life of some other saints that have like the stigmata of, of St. Francis of Assis, Assisi, or spectacular things like that. But in the simplicity of his life, he is spectacular. He's a great figure. And in case you don't know much about him, he was born in a Christian environment. He lived as an Anglican from the get-go. At the age of 16, he had what he called his first conversion, where he found, as he wrote later, me and my creator. He had this clear sense that God was real that there were some sort of dogmas. By that he meant something that was true outside of himself and his feelings. And at the same time, he had this great perception of his 
relationship with that God who had created him. And from a, his early um, years, he found himself following God. He moved to Oxford afterwards, and he became, at 24 years of age, a priest of the Anglican Church. He was a tutor and fellow in Oriel College. He was the curate of the university chapel, St. Mary's Chapel um, Church, right next to the university in Oxford, where he preached, and people and crowds gathered to hear him. And he preached long sermons, the, as it was usual in the, in, the, in the services that day. He preached for almost an hour each Sunday. So no one can complain about my homilies now. But people keep on flocking and coming to him and following him. And his lectures were always full. And he became so notorious, so famous in Oxford, that people had such a great admiration for his personality, for his character, for his knowledge, for his wisdom, for his writings, that people, when they saw him pass by, they told each other, hey, look at that, there's Newman, there he goes. He was so well known, people admire him. So the question is, what made him a Catholic? Why did he become Catholic? He himself wrote the reason in a letter to a friend. He said, the fathers, meaning the fathers of the church, made me a Catholic. And I am not going to kick the ladder by which I ascended into the church, he replies to a friend. After studying reading, he started to notice that many doctrines Catholics believed were not deviations or errors or additions, but rather true and consistent teachings that were already in the Bible, part of the Bible. But he did not become a Catholic right away. Rather, he had to struggle a little bit to become a Catholic. In fact, he, people around him started to become Catholic, his friends, and he did not encourage them to become Catholics. On the contrary, he prevented them from taking a step they would regret. But the more he read and the more he studied the Fathers and the Bible, the more he noticed where he was being led, that many of the doctrines had like a Catholic flavor to it. And he started to understand it took him a while. It was a process. After more than 20 years in Oxford, and upon controversies regarding the Romanizing um, or Catholic uh, reading of, or views that he held, he decided he couldn't teach anymore in Oxford. That it was not consistent with what he was reading and seeing, but he was not totally Sure. And so he decided to take a break. He gave up teaching in Oxford. He moved to a little town a couple miles away, miles away from Oxford called Littlemore. And he bought a stable. 
and he turned it into a home. And there he improvised a monastery. And there he just retired from the world to study, to pray, and to ask God for clarity, for guidance, for direction. After three years in which many of his friends came to him to that little more house to spend a day, a week, maybe a month with him, praying, fasting, studying, reading. After three years, he decided to enter the Catholic Church. He was a very reluctant convert. That was a slow conversion for him. But it was not an emotional conversion. He was not moved by emotions. He thought it through. But also he was not moved by any worldly advantage. He would not gain absolutely anything from becoming Catholic. On the contrary, he, he knew what was going to happen. The establishment in the Anglican Church turned against him. He became to be seen and regarded as a traitor of the Anglican establishment. And he couldn't step back into his old lovely Oxford. But not only that, Catholics, you would think, they would receive him. Well, they did not. He was looked down with suspicion because he was a convert. For the love of Christ and his church, he abandoned everything and he had to start from scratches. Like St. Paul says today in the second reading, if we have died with him, we shall also live with him. For the love of Christ and his church. Then he became a Catholic priest, went back to England and started the oratory of Philip Neri in Birmingham. But his was a martyrdom, I would say a white martyrdom. He didn't shed blood, but he, he struggled so much with this, with the truth, with the light that was leading him. And this was not something that he did only at that moment of his conversion. On a trip that he took um, to Italy on the Mediterranean Sea, he almost died. He fell um, he felt very bad, and he thought, the, the, the ones who surround him thought that he was going to die. And this is what he writes towards the end of his life. I went down at once to Sicily, and the presentiment grew stronger. I struck into the mill of the island and fell ill of a fever at Leonforte. My servant thought I was dying and begged for my last directions. I gave them as he wished, but I said, I shall not die, for I have not sinned against the light. I have not sinned against the light. He always followed what he thought he was right. In his tomb, there's an writing in Latin, ex umbris et imaginibus in veritatem, from shadows and images 
into the truth. He did not see clear always. It was a tough process, but he asked God to lead him, to guide him, and that's what brought him to the altars today, that he was always faithful to the truth. He never backed down. He never counted the cost. He was always ready to follow that. And so also during this trip, he wrote a poem. He was a poet. And he read, wrote the following poet. <clears throat> Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Give thou my feet. I do not ask to see the distant scene, one step enough for me. I was not ever thus, nor prayed that thou should lead me on. I loved to choose and see my path, but now lead thou me on. I love the garish day, and spite of fears, pride ruled my will. Remember not past years. So long thy power has blessed me, sure it still would lead me on. Over moor and fen, or crag and torrent, till the night is gone. And with the morn those angel faces smile, which I have loved long since and lost a while. Meantime, along the narrow, ragged path thyself has trod, Lead, Savior, lead me home in childlike faith, home to my God, to rest forever after earthly strife in the calm light of everlasting life. May St. John Henry Newman, and through his intercession, we may all be led to that light which is no one else but Jesus Christ himself.